0: Welcome back to Project Outsiders. If you're returning, thank you so much for returning and um, tuning into our podcast. So in today's episode, we're gonna be talking about The structures in the child welfare system, we're going to be learning about the agencies and what happens behind scenes. What is the work atmosphere and culture like and understanding the the different hierarchies within the welfare system and the impacts they eventually have on the youth themselves. Christopher Cotto is a black youth advocate for children in and from the foster care system. Being a former youth in care, he strives to provide opportunities and platforms for youth to share their ideas with the world in an impactful way. Currently the producer for both CYC podcast and Rising Youth, Christopher continues to work to share stories for advocacy from all over the world. We go back about two years ago when the advocacy office was still uh, running and we haven't even received the news yet that they were shutting down. I think it might've been a year before that, potentially.
1: I feel it was like about four months because the event happened in August. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know, yeah, so, yeah, so then it happened. It's like three months after, like in November, we found out. Yes. Yeah.
0: So essentially the event that he's speaking of is an event that was, Uh, being held at the advocacy office.
1: Yeah, it was called a passion to action. It took a lot of work to get set up. I guess we're going to start talking about the advocate's office. but um, So being a youth amplifier at the advocate's office is more like a community. Well, you get the opportunity to work and do community development projects and work with individuals who are Actual like our actual advocates in the office that have um, masters degrees that have been working in the social welfare system, youth justice sector, um, working with uh, directly with indigenous communities or people with invisible invisible disabilities. Um, so these people really work like when the advocates office was open on um, on open cases. Um, working on helping advocate for children and youth in uh, in these different systems of care that the Advocates Office was uh, was to oversee, and uh, through that the the youth amplifiers that were uh, mandated to work within that office were given opportunities to help develop like community development projects. So what happened in like the early years was there was like a um, a decision to start making more. Um, uh, direct directed um, like groups towards individual um, cases that were rising up across the board like in a standalone complex. So um, they started the uh, Feathers of Hope initiative, which was to focus on helping um, individuals and in indigenous communities all across Ontario uh, with various indigeneity and the uh, our voice our turn program, which was to help with the child welfare sector and the foster care system, um, which is, there's a very popular book in this industry called My Real Life Book, which was developed by the team. Um, if you ever get a chance to read it, I definitely think that there's a, there's an archive by Michelle Baines who definitely has all of our material, and I think that we still have an archive site for the Ontario Child Advocate. So I'll, I'll definitely link that in the video. Uh, and in the podcast. So you guys can definitely check out this documentation because it's really, really good. And it's what made me really want to go about pursuing this work, just seeing the fact that other young people had the capacity to do so. So... Um, when I joined the office, I was brought on as a communications amplifier, so I wasn't really tied to any one of these initiatives. Um, I was tied with the communications team, so I was working directly under the communications director and the manager and the IT department. So we worked on making sure that the outgoing communications of the office was... Um, had like relevant themes, uh, conversations, um, and making sure that the content that was coming out was helping advocate for children and youth in, in unique ways, but also provide information, resources to young people. So one of the ideas that me and the other amplifiers came along with, just because we uh, we had done other projects like on the CYFSA and the Hair Story Initiative in the past. So we decided to come up with this project called Passion to Action. And it was just to go about making um, like a forum, like a mini forum. We wanted it to be a larger scale when we first had the idea, but it only ended up turning into about like a one day event where we had several different um, individuals in the black community. The idea and the fundamental like role for it was to show young people in the black community um alternatives like an alternative like role models alternative like paths just because what happens like i i guess like in the black community a lot is uh there's a lot of like directing young individuals towards like sports backgrounds or music careers um and uh it i mean it's it's great like if individuals are talented and capable of doing so Um, but the one thing is that a lot of young people don't really have ideas of what they want to do in life. Right. And they don't really get practical, um, chances to interact with individuals in those industries. So we were just like, well, how do we make it possible for if a young person's like, well, I don't want to obviously be a rapper, but I want to own a house one day. I want to own like 10 houses one day. Maybe I want to be a real estate agent. So we would bring in these individuals. So we had real estate agents, I think financial advisor. We had an individual who um, did a lot of work um, contracting like art and like mental health stuff. And then uh, to top it all off, we had the original president of Flow 93.5 come in. And he talked about what it was like to run and host a radio station and do that uh, production. So we, I thought it was a great success. And Shanice was there at the forum and uh, it was um it's funny yeah cuz it's like we hoped that when we made the event that young people would be inspired to end up going along like paths that like they thought were like like they were able to see people like in the representation and see what they were able to do and then like find people in their communities or in their circles that they wanted and seek out that same type of mentorship on their own. So to see Shanice here and like to be working with her now and talking to her on the podcast mm-hmm. from something so small like that is I, I find it really, really inspiring because it's just like it just goes to show that the work that we were doing, even though it, 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 it's it yeah. it's gone and it's, uh, yeah. it's very small still able to resonate it was yeah
0: it was and so when and how did you start actively engaging as a child and youth advocate for children's aid like what like where did it all start for you Uh,
1: okay so it's actually my advocacy for myself has always been since i was a young age like Mm -hmm. i've always been very like Outspoken spoken on like people doing wrong things to other people, people treating me badly. And growing yeah. up through foster care, I was always able to like advocate for myself, like in a very positive manner. Mm-hmm. But um, when I moved to Windsor, Ontario and uh, to live in kinship with my family in my last couple of years of uh, living in care, um, Windsor CAS was lucky enough to allow me to start like doing uh programs that I was never really exposed to when I lived (laughs) in the other um, uh, regional agencies in the past. So they had like a camera club. So I learned like directly from a uh, photographer uh, who worked at the local college, how to do photography and stuff like that. And um, I also had the opportunity to work um, within this youth advocacy group that they had called um, the Youth Advocate Council. yak and it was started by a former youth in care who became a social worker and decided that like there was an importance to actually like have like a community of like young people be able to like work together on like certain like um uh, personal development projects go out on like field trips together and just like have like a sense of community um with one another and that was one thing that i really appreciate about Winter CES is that they always i felt like uh like for how much I hate that city, like Windsor, it's it feel it felt like home because the people were always great and uh, everyone was always like really trying hard and um, uh, there was I made a lot of really great friends and. Uh, had a lot of really good memories doing that stuff. So when the time came, when I was aging out of care, um, they had asked if you if uh, if I wanted to do a job working for them doing photography um, for a summer camp. And uh, at the time, I didn't really know. I was like confused, but I obviously wanted a job like right after like turning eighteen. So I decided to take it, and they gave me an office bigger than my social worker. <laughs> so oh, I actually wow. so I actually let her use it during the week because I'd be working every single day but I couldn't use my office every single day. Um <laughs> wow. you know. But uh, through that, I kind of figured out, like, because I love photography and I've been doing it ever since I was, like, a baby, um, that it was an opportunity for me to take the experiences and the memories and, like, those, those lessons that, like, young people and, like, uh, in the summer camp that we had, like, learn and, like, show them like like show them like their memories like physically and allow them to like keep it and maintain it and like remember what it was like to like make like a mess and like make like strawberry cake or to go to um a trampoline and like a a gymnastics club and just show them like doing picture taking pictures of them doing backflips and stuff um things that they'd never thought that they were able to do before and like have like great experiences in the past so um From there, I kind of, like, really realized that, like, there's a point for me to be able to, like do advocacy in the way that I always wanted to. So, um, and I was going to school for advertising and marketing. So luckily enough, like all that kind of connected together and made me realize that like, that was like one of the paths I was able to take. And uh, at the same time, that same year, my foster brother, Sebastian, um, shout to Sebastian Bachmeyer. He worked for the, the score eSports. He's awesome and he's like my my long like lifelong rival and like really close friend. Um, he got a job working at the advocate office the year before me. Oh well, no! Like two years, two years before me, and um, from that he he actually laid a lot of the groundwork that I ended up like taking on and then like refining and, and making um, turning into like our out- outgoing communication strategies. But he worked for the advocate office, and um, so he taught me and showed me that like yeah, like we can do advocacy with this, and like all this work is capable. And there's an office with all the stuff. So I was like, wow, okay, cool. I want to work there. I'm gonna get there. It's gonna happen. I applied three times and only got the job on the third time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, like, but throughout the years when I was waiting and doing that stuff, I I had worked with, um, I had done work on the CYFSA, um, on the uh, residential youth advisory pan- uh, panel, um, that was like um, mm-hmm. made in partnership with the Ministry of Children and Youth, Ontario Child Advocate Office, and I believe the OACAS. And we did. We had a, we were just a review panel um, to help with like actually like developing. Yeah, so. Funny enough, there's yeah, there's an episode that has um, if I remember it's Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Jackson talks about the panel that I worked on with Kathleen Wen. Um, oh, wow. yeah.
0: yeah. oh yeah. that's like Oh yeah.
1: So, uh, shout out to that if you if you if you listened to it that then, then you'll um get a little bit of a history lesson, but um, it was a panel of like 10, 15, no, 12, 12 young people. Um, across Ontario. I don't know why I was chosen. I was really lucky. But uh, we worked for over 16 months and won an Amethyst Award, uh, which is like a public policy award. Um, it, it's super lame. I have pictures on my Instagram, probably of me, like, kissing this trophy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably in Irwin Allen's office, actually, now. <laughs> That's funny. I love that. But, yeah, we won this Amethyst. But what was this panel? So this panel was to... Um, review and analyze uh, and de- and help develop um, the policy um, paradigms that would be um, uh, instilled in the in the updated to uh, Child Youth uh, Family Services Act that came out. So, um, luckily enough, we were able wow. to get this to happen prior to Doug Ford coming into power. Wow! Um, but yeah, so we spent like eighteen months meeting up quite often um and reviewing policy developing um like ingraining accountability into the system and making sure that we um thought about every single aspect of what it was like to live in care. We would go back to our own communities and host like panels and and community discussions to then further get information on what other people in our communities were actually struggling through and trying to get a better hold and understanding of how we could then shape that regulation and policy. So the first thing was the policy and we worked on that and then once once the, the policy was written up, then we actually got like the first ever opportunity as like a youth panel in Ontario to build work on actually developing um, strategic regulation to help enact and affect the policy that was written up in the law. So some of the things that we ended up help regulating were, like, um, one thing that I I feel always, like, super proud of um, is uh, helping um, secure, like, internet privacy, uh, security for young people in care, and um, making sure that, like, if, when... Infractions are brought upon if they are brought to the ministry and they're brought to like uh, to, to superiors that like a child should have like the priority for their internet security to be like their own like no one should mm-hmm. have to go monitor what they're doing online oh, let's yeah. say a person's trying to like um Uh, develop a business or trying to like understand like further into their identity, right? And like they're not allowed to, yeah. So um, that was some of the biggest stuff that like I made sure was a part of the policy just because a lot of people, Um, like the policy that we had in the past and even how it's developed today doesn't really like future-proof itself in terms of making sure that you're able to adapt with, like no one knew phones were gonna come out like 30 years ago, right? So the fact that everybody has a cell phone and the fact that everyone has pictures and stuff, like I've heard horror stories of, of like, of foster kids getting their phones taken away and having people go through their entire gallery. Right. And like, that is completely wrong. That is not okay. And it's a vote of privacy. And like, even in like the terms of services for these devices, you're not like, it's, it's against like law to do that. If you're not actually doing, um, if you're not actually the user or the holder and even in, in legal law yes. but it's never been held up or properly um, addressed for kids in care so that was something that I always made sure and we always like throughout the whole, the whole policy and regulation program we like stress like accountability and making sure that there are background measures to mm-hmm. to keep back uh, to keep track of what would be happening to these children in care
0: So what came of the whole um, the efforts with the privacy um, with technology?
1: So it it's in the law.
0: It's in it. It's but, in the law. Okay.
1: It's and it's in its in and its regulations like are like properly like, like addressed. But through um, the CYFSA. Yeah, through the CYFSA. Okay. It's just a matter of like obviously at the end of the day anybody can still abuse power. Yeah. And especially if you don't have the knowledge or the know of what your rights are, you're going <laughs> like people will always take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, and that especially not only that. Not only that, but essentially, it's the same if you have nobody to be accountable to, right? If you don't have to answer to anybody, you're more inclined to actually get away with the stuff. And um, that's why we really want to have a system of accountability um, in some way for the decision makers of the youth, in, for the lives of the youth in care, essentially. And the advocacy office was that or was supposed to be that.
1: It it was that, and it did... Do that? It did a lot of work, but it. I felt like coming from being a youth in care, I found out about the Advocates Office when I was, like, 18 years old, Same. right? So it's like... It's mandated in law that everyone was supposed to know about it, like like the moment you get into care. But how many young people actually get an opportunity to even interact with it, let alone work for the organization, right? So for me, my biggest thing was when I was in a room, I was like, I'm speaking for everybody who I know can't speak right now because they'll never get the opportunity to do this and like when november yeah. twenty like 2019 uh 2018 came and we got that notice that the office was closing yeah. like i was the first person to be like "Word, a ship is, is sinking let's do everything we can like right let's set everything on fire right let's just let everyone know what's happening let's let everyone know how we can make things better because like we're never going to get an opportunity to talk about this again. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have a lot of archived footage that I'm legally not allowed to put out.
0: Of course, (laughs) but um, But it's already put out. Like I know that, the youth power and youth organization i believe um they
1: no i'm talking about like archived interviews with staff oh. from like from the advocate's office that oh, like, okay, that okay. people will never see the light of day because there were smaller scale projects that i was trying to work on in terms of actually like getting people to like change the office culture change the the, the opportunity like scales for young people um and stuff like Makes that sense. like okay one of the yeah, like one of the biggest things that I was able to do was um, I, although like the, yeah, the project never got to see the the light of day because the office closed before the next Child Youth and Care Day. But I, that the year that I was working there, I went across the country and, and went and like hosted events Um on like child and care, we we hosted like four uh, throughout that whole week. We went to like Windsor, we went to London, we went uh, up north, and we went. Uh, I forget where else we All went. All in to. Ontario. All in Ontario. Well, because we're the advocates office, and it's in the Ontario child advocate office, so it's only Ontario. But um, we we taught we went for like and celebrated child in care day and provided more information on advocacy and, and means for people to be able to, mm-hmm. um, to to be able to further advocate for themselves and. Like, unfortunately, like, it sucks because, like, I spent a lot of time interacting with a a lot of young people who, like, went through the first thing I went through, right? When, Mm -hmm. like, they, like, when like, when they met me and they're like, well, what? Like, you can do this. Yeah. I can advocate and, like, do work like this and, like, get paid and it's awesome and I'm doing stuff that I, like, love and, like, that I've lived my whole life. Um, Like, young people were getting inspired and I really wanted a lot of young people to have the opportunity to do the sort of stuff that I was doing because like I'd spent my whole life dreaming about being like editing videos and doing animation and um and setting up like large scale events only to actually like get that opportunity to do it like and like to try like to actively pursue that. So um
0: mm-hmm.
1: like- yeah. <laughs> i'm so
0: sorry i'm so sorry i, I know, so sorry. lost
1: my train of thought because i've just been i've really been giving yeah. a history lecture on like everything pretty much
0: no yeah. I, I completely understand also and asked so. where
1: i came from so it's like this yeah, is like a big question it's a really
0: big question yeah. and it always takes everybody <laughs> like some time to really be able to paint out a clear picture yeah, for I hope I other people able to do that no absolutely yeah. well i i also <laughs> didn't even
1: highlight the fact that like in those like years that i was doing other work funny enough like shanice has also done work with one vision one Voice. I was um, yeah. on one of the first panels that was ever hosted by One Vision Voice, by Kike Ojo, yeah. in terms of uh, talking about. Um, uh, so one of my first speeches that I ever did publicly was expressing the importance of cultural relevancy and care, but also but also expressing the importance of diversity as well Mm -hmm. and exposing young people to multiple cultures, to allow them to be able to be adaptable when it comes to future situations as well. And, uh, I ended up doing a lot of work with um, the OACES and Akige Ojo because of that. Yeah. Um, but They're yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. They're what, so great. And, yeah. It's just, it's so weird yeah. how like... Y- yeah, you know, everyone I know. But like, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it was bound to happen. Like our circumstances kind of forces us in a bubble. And for those who have like particular type of mindsets or even just pure stubbornness with the system, they will end up eventually meeting each other down the road. We typically do, whether it's at Youth Can and it's those youth who are constantly speaking out, saying this is some unfair stuff. I'm gonna, I was, I was going to swear, yeah. but you know I was going to, but I did it. I did it. I did good. <laughs> yeah,
1: but no, it's unfair. Yeah. It is
0: unfair, and um, I, yeah, it really bugged me so much when, like, I, I, I was in certain situations. Yeah, so it it really bugged me that. I felt like I had no voice while I was dealing with everything um, on my own while I was in isolation. And so in a lot of these homes and in this, this really it includes group homes, this point, you don't really have much power. You're answering to people constantly and you're supposed to have maybe like a worker that represents you and is able to advocate for you, but you really have no voice. And so knowing that potentially the advocate's office was supposed to be a voice for youth where I could have had access to whenever I wanted, whenever I needed um, something, something vital, right? Where I felt like I was being actually, um, my rights were being violated, I, I got, I could have had somebody resolve those things for me. And so, mm-hmm. um, but what was it like working at the advocate's office? Like typically I, like, I yeah. What was it like, like working at the advocate's office?
1: <laughs> oh man. Like no one will ever know what it was like. of the people who actually worked there, yeah. but the best thing I can describe it is that
0: i like i love the events like it was just so
1: it's just like the events took so much
0: unnecessary
1: struggle it's not even effort it's actual struggle like i and like and um there's too much to go into and and it's a lot it's a lot of stuff that like the way how the office was set up was kind of meant to like kind of like hold itself back in a lot of ways and i think that that's how policy in the in the past was written Mm -hmm. and um people work and they do their job right and they a lot of people do their job well and did their job well when they were working there and i still know a lot of people who from the advocate office work at the ombudsman office um, obviously, the the ability for them to have the same relationship isn't the same. But I lo- I saw over sixty four of my friends lose their job. Um, so, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw anyone under the rug. But I of am course. gonna say the fact that the organization itself didn't do a good job of allowing itself to grow. And that was the biggest problem that I always had with people Mm -hmm. at the office in terms of getting things off the ground.
0: Yeah, but that will kind of lead into my next question. Yeah, What could have the advocacy office done for Kids in Care if they weren't shut down by Ford? Like what?
1: Like Like, essentially- So I'll just let everyone know now, like although Doug Ford was the one who pulled the trigger,
0: it was always the No, no, no.
1: At the advocate office, like, I will be honest in this regard and saying that no matter what, the advocate office was going to go down like a path of of self-destruction inevitably, whether it was going to be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, the way how the office policy was working and the way how I was able to do things, it wasn't working as effectively as it could.
0: So why not reconstruct it instead of demolish it completely? Like if it had the potential to grow and maybe it's a change of leadership, maybe it's a change of like uh, legislation or policy, it didn't have to be removed and replaced with essentially nothing. The Ombudsman's office is that's The sad reality um, though is
1: when you look at the advocate office in terms of its actual like direct effect on children's lives, all it did, all it was is a watchdog organization. So it only was ever to do work and partnership with other people. Right? With youth. No, that's well, great. With, with youth, but also like the advocate office had to work with the Ministry of Children and Youth. Yeah, had to work with the youth justice sector. It, we it, have
0: to work with these individuals it, as well. Yeah,
1: right. No, and what I'm, what I'm like, like I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's not that it's not a bad th- that it's a bad thing that the advocate office existed, but of course the um the advocate office did a very bad job of getting a lot of certain voices, and it's why like. I had a very like although it was a limited history a way more robust history with the advocate office and a lot of other young people in the system there. and I always articulated the fact that like there there's over an 80,000 constituents that we have a, a, a responsibility to to let people know and the fact that and I would always argue being like why is Kids Help Online more popular and more well known than our advocate office is yeah. knowing that the advocate oh, office yeah. has the ability to be able to cover a lot of these sectors regardless 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 of which. Um, So those were my, those were my arguments. And that was, that was, those were aspects in which I thought that the advocate office was not doing what it could have done in terms of being a, a louder, a louder Voice microphone for our kids. Yeah. And,
0: and like, um, I love that you say that because then my next question, and I was going to ask this either way, what do you think needs to happen? Like from your own perspective, what do you think needs to happen? Maybe legislatively or structurally to the child welfare system in order to make it a safer place for kids?
1: So in terms of like work and stuff, I mean, for the past two years, I've been doing work directly with Wolfgang Bashon for the CYC podcast. And I've loved every single conversation that I've heard over it. And I've been able to work with Salvatore on arts and um, listening to his conversations on just like social justice and advocacy in general have just made me want to share more. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, like, Pretty much, it a, a boiled down to, like, I I thought in my head, I'm like, well, the government shut down this. What can the what can the private sector or the social sector do, right? Like, like since there's a social enterprise, and um, I got my answer in a couple of months with um with meeting with like Michael Furtick and mm-hmm. um and Jennifer, Jennifer Corriera, uh, and I love those two dearly, and they work. They're the founders of Taking It Global. And um, they were people who 20 years ago were in my exact shoes, theory crafting and trying to scheme on how to better make it. So like young people have power in the world and are able to Mm -hmm. do the things that they want to do, because when they were our age, they were like, they, they had even less capacity. Right. And now like they, they ran like an over like, like a million dollar like grant fund Mm -hmm. and just like, it's one of the grants that you're applying to right now. Um, the rising youth grant, but like they work with connected North. They do a lot of work in the Francophone community and, um, Like they, their proof of concept was something that I always had theorized in the back of my head of being a possibility of, of a way to give youth direct control and power and impact over their communities. And that was one of the things that I always wanted the advocate office to do, um, was to be less centralized more decentralized like the fact that we had a 10 million dollar office in toronto is kind of funny um (laughs) yeah um like you can read this stuff publicly online so i'm not saying anything that anybody shouldn't know yeah but um But yeah, the uh, so and that's part of the reason why when you look at it optically, like people can be like, yeah, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with the fact that you're spending ten million dollars on a building when you could be spending ten million dollars on children. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah. Regardless. Taking it global really showed me what was possible. And when I met up with the two and I talked to them about like doing a podcast to highlight their grants program and uh, to like get them ingrained with our like our network of community of like um, so, students and stuff and teachers, yeah, it made everything more real. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, but I, like I guess essentially what I was trying to say—you say were trying
1: is- to ask like what needs to happen? Yeah. But what I'm what I try to say is that like organize like so like my my question that I asked myself was could the private sector or the social like social enterprise sector do something? And I got my answer with mm-hmm. my like my, the, with an, with another partnership working with individuals okay. doing like sharing more advocacy. So from there, like I knew. Like and in that very short period of time when all that stuff was happening, I was also like having conversations with like Michelle Baines, yeah, and right. uh and like when the advocate office was closing, I was seeing Cheyenne Ratman's early days of her like th- like making her uh, her plans to do the organization that she works with now, right? Yes. and I had had opportunities when I w- when the office was closing to do direct work with uh Youth Can and, and Youth in Youth yeah. and Care Canada, um. So like, and I have friends who, who have like, who've worked directly in youth in care Canada, who've like, who've like health, who's hosted youth can events and stuff. So the, like my, my understanding and like the perspective that I'm trying to like, uh, let people know is yeah you don't have to rely on a government organization necessarily to get things done. Maybe you can rely on government funding, right? And you can find a grant or an organization like that. But at the end of the day, if it comes to advocacy and it comes actually doing like effective change and helping people's lives, you but can, it should yeah.
0: it, like um, my question is not necessarily around advocacy, but more so around like the 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 system. Like, what are we ad- advocating for to change legislatively? Like, are we trying to create maybe a new system of of accountability um, for?
1: well i hope that the ultimate goal is to eradicate the system System eventually yeah right i mean like it's like residential schools in a sense it's like foster care really shouldn't exist yeah we should really focus on helping families um and uh and it boils down to well, I mean, it sounds radical, but like restructuring the way how we look at the like the the whole social system and, and 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 society as a whole in terms of how we actually support our parents and our children, not just kids in care, but every kid, and what can we do to actually increase the opportunities and better and better outcomes for young people's lives across the board. Yeah. Um. And there really is a lot of effective critical thinking <laughs> happening. Like like anywhere really when it comes to having these ideas but what's actually happening is like in a standalone complex, there are a lot of bright young people and individuals who are popping up across the world, who are coming up with ideas mm-hmm. to figure out a better ways. And and yeah, if you listen to everything on the CYC podcast, you'll hear stories from South Africa, from yeah. Britain, from uh, from Nunavut, from uh, from Nova Scotia, um, and the Francophone sector of of what people are doing to help fix their own systems, but also not only just the, that, but also the child welfare system. So, um, and it's happening across the board that these, that private individuals are working on their own to have this stuff happen. And it's people like you, Shanice, that are actually like showing the fact that you're able to make something on your own yeah. and find a proper way to advocate and, 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 place to yourself and have a foundation and be like, I'm here. This is what th- there's a, ne- there's a people who need to hear this. There's people who want to hear this and we're going to show the world like what yeah. like these stories and people have to say.
0: It's almost like this determination that uh, a lot, like only certain people are able to really hold that fire um, of that, that will continue to push them to actually make the the change that they initially wanted to see right um and so I I personally think that yeah there are a lot of organizations a lot of people who are just fed up and want to see people being taken accountable because when because we're dealing with a very vulnerable sector we're, we're dealing with children
1: well I'll tell you like I'll, I'll go over what we talked about like two days ago when I was talking about our voice our turn and how the 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 people from Japan came like the year before I was there and um, the Japanese child welfare sector is going through changes so it's like it doesn't you don't even have to just be like English or live in North America or 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 or, Mm -hmm. yeah just to, to know that like they're it's a it's a ripple. It's happening, and like it's 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 really inspiring, and it's why it's I'm because really...
0: we're coming together. Well, it's like I,
1: yeah, it's it's we're no longer so that the one really interesting thing, and it's why it's why I advocated for internet security and yeah. stuff. It's because it's the fact that now it's we have an ability internet. to be able to re- to connect, and like and and scheme and and come up with with really innovative ways to change the world and stuff like that through the internet, and the power of communication, and it's why like my whole life like i mean it's it's it it feels very very um validating to know that like i've banked my life on communication and on media and on and on sharing ideas with people Mm. for people and like and everything that's happened in human history since uh, has been coming back and showing itself that it's like, okay, cool. You're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. And more people are watching and more people are listening and more people are doing it too. So it's like, you're like, no matter what, something's going to happen it doesn't even matter if, if i don't see it right is that one day i know that they're like eventually these conversations are going to be so widespread that yes. everyone's going to have no choice but to listen to exactly. it exactly so when that happens
0: yeah it's because we're uh, like i said it's, it's really because we're making noise and we're coming together like uh, as i'm saying i uh, ended up meeting you christopher uh Earlier this year, through a different project that we both worked yeah. on, right? It was somebody who actually knew knew both of us um, at that time. Uh, used to work at the advocacy yeah, office. Yeah,
1: lo- shout out to Kelsey you're amazing. Yes, and, and a shout out you. to you, Like,
0: <laughs> We adore you, honestly. You're you're so beautiful.
1: <laughs> um
0: but yeah, I guess I could say the the event because it was a really great event. Yeah. Um it was the Children's First Canada Anti-Black Racism event and it was phenomenal. Um essentially like like West Hall was there. Got him to be like our uh, opening guest speaker. Funny enough, he worked down the road from me when I, when I was Wow. Yeah. See? <laughs> he was essentially on. Oh, this yeah. was like something mentioned in a different episode that yeah. was really vital to be able to have like some kind of representative, representative like West Hall, mm-hmm. um, be like a community leader or icon to be to rec to essentially emulize the black potential. And yeah. And, and
1: it just goes to that, that just further... Proved my theory with passion to action when we sat down and we were just like, "What is what is the next step?" Yeah, which is showing more people more role models Mm -hmm. and showing more people more different paths of life. Yeah, and like and yeah, so (laughs) I don't know. I feel like the more work I end up doing, the more. Uh, the more interesting it's going to get and the, the cooler the cooler the scene is going to be so i'm just looking forward to i just i'm just along for the ride honestly
0: yeah, it, yeah. and like our paths keep on intertwining with people who we know previously in advocacy and it's because something is coming sooner or later and it's because we're coming closer and closer together and our ideologies are starting to really intertwine with each other where it almost looks like one vision
1: well, and- yeah i sorry to interrupt you, you, but like the one thing is that no one has we've never really had an opportunity to even or, like discuss dis- differing opinions and it's why like this podcast is great yeah. because you're hearing like conversations with Aiden and Kingston where you're hearing differing opinions of what um, of what the black experience is like yeah. or you're hearing conversations with Jackson and you're hearing what people you're hearing And if you're you're qu- like if, stories, if you know
0: why yeah. Christopher knows all of these episodes before <laughs> they even came out yeah. well by this point you would probably hear a lot of them but um, it's because he's our editor yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, but I also not know mention... all these
1: like, I know these people funny yeah. enough too <laughs>
0: but we did not mention that yet so people are like wait um, why is this guy talking about all these other episodes well I'm I like, hope that this is like the so- shout
1: out in the last episode of the season so most people can get a recap on what we're also talking about possible
0: yeah. the episodes oh they've been so great yeah I'm gonna be real so to the viewers and listeners we're filming this in December and yeah. <laughs> um, a couple days before Christmas <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: great though it's been a, it's, it's been a great, great uh, couple of days working it together it has been And And uh, we've been going
0: through all the episodes and re-listening to them, and uh, just like how I cried in the actual episode, I cried again so much while listening back to them because it just touched my soul. I still believe everything which was said was so incredibly touching. I can relate to. It has just been so educational for myself, talking to all of these different perspectives and um and being able to share our stories and to be. Under to be able to understand each other, this was the atmosphere. And Christopher, I know Christopher, this is the one thing in which you missed that you did. Are you, right? Oh, yeah, you didn't yeah. miss with OBOB. <laughs> it's so similar to the. the amount of feeling that was in that room at OVLV. It was just understanding. It was just love. It was just compassion. It was a want or need to be able to help each other and not necessarily agree to help and fix ourselves, but it was healing because we all understood. And and one thing that I've really struggled with that uh, viewers may, may not know but about me, but Maybe they do because they've noticed that I've started a lot (laughs) throughout my series. Um, I hated it so much listening back to all of that. Um, But... Like um, while in care and when I was at the peak of like uh, my PTSD and trauma, um, where it was really affecting me bad, the panic attacks that I would have by myself were um, intense, but I was struggling so much with communication, being able to encourage myself that my voice mattered and that these are not my superiors. They're just supposed to be my caregivers, but they behaved like my superiors. It made it so much more difficult to try and communicate my thoughts and feelings um, in regards to my uh, um environment. And so in this one particular case, this one foster parent who I... Uh, I adored her. I really do appreciate if, if she's listening, I appreciate you. You've done so much for me. Um, but we it was really difficult for us to understand each other. For what? Because we were from two different decades. Well, not like well, two five different decades i don't know um wait no that doesn't make any sense we were from different decades
1: three it's like three i mean three different like, like generations she was like,
0: it's like three, three ge- generations three two, genera- different yeah, genera- two different genera- generations three different different it
1: three gener- gener- was like a grandmother and a mother no it was just my on I mean, okay well, so like- then it's just it's just your you and your aunt <laughs> yeah.
0: okay sorry see like um, this is getting <laughs> this is getting deleted <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So then let me repeat that. So we can pretend that didn't have it happen. Um, okay. <laughs> I okay. hate you. Okay. So essentially, um, I loved her so much, but because we came from two completely different generations, um, we couldn't see eye to eye. And when we used to get into heated arguments because like she wasn't able to understand what I was trying to say because I was suffering from severe anxiety as well. I wasn't able to communicate my thoughts into sentences that she was able to understand. And her not understanding made it a whole lot more difficult for me to be able to communicate to it to her. And so like that was and this is like the whole part of communication is being able to understand, to being able to listen and then also to um to work with us, to find some kind of common ground is something so rare in the foster care system. And it really does affect us going into our adulthood because we are being trained to think that our voice doesn't hold any value. And we struggle to communicate our thoughts and feelings and emotions um, in a bunch of different other relationships for the rest of our lives. You know, when boyfriend or intimate relationships and work relationships. Right. And and that's toxic. And so this is one of the reasons why we really want to be able to teach youth how to find confidence again in their voice using our podcast.
1: Like one of the things that I always felt was happening was like there was like a docilization of people in care like you go into care and you're just like you're the problem yes. everything about you is wrong there's like there's nothing good about you why are you even here kid da, 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 da. Uh, and i mean sometimes it's it's that extreme for individuals and sometimes it's not but um that really screws with your head and doesn't make you want to think and for some reason in my head it was just wired differently that when someone said something like that I'm just like well screw you okay because mm-hmm. like that's obviously not true <laughs> so very true um that allowed me to make sure that I always had a space for my voice and uh it got me in a lot of trouble of course yeah. but yep. Um, Always
0: does. Yeah. And The crazy thing is I remember being told that like <laughs> um, whenever I would speak up, uh, 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 speak up for myself or open my mouth, quite frankly, it was just like entitlement and and so and then I'll tell you the story super quickly essentially was at a Christmas party uh, for York Region Children's um CES York Region Children's Aid Society whatever um and it was in Newmarket we always have the same Christmas party in Newmarket and essentially um I was the host for the event that that year it was my final year and um Yeah. And so I wanted to do a poem, a speech for the youth. I've really been throughout my advocacy career. I've just wanted to talk to the youth directly, tell them the things that they desperately need to know right now. That is probably another reason why I've desperately wanted to create this podcast is because I need to speak to the youth. I need to teach them what I've learned, what has helped me survive and to help them know that I get you. You're not alone Um, and I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be here behind you. And a a lot of people, you know, really need to hear that. But essentially at this Christmas party, I did this poem and the poem was really graphic at the beginning. And so the, my, like the worker, uh, wanted me to either like cut that part out or just not do the speech. Actually, they heavily encouraged me not to do the speech. They tried to get me not to. And then I literally took like the last 10, 20 minutes, like, uh, rewriting a bunch of stuff and then presenting it like almost like a censored or, uh, you know. See,
1: I would have lied. I do that every time I give people the thing and then I switch my script every single time. But
0: I wouldn't want to ruin the dynamic or the atmosphere oh, of the Christmas party. I did at investor events. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's different. No, but that I, is different. Talking to stakeholders and whatever. I did it talking and to investors. stakeholders. Exactly. No, that's no, no, where but they I, need I fl- to know where no, their money no, is going. But to no, children yeah. at a Christmas party.
1: I no, but I think the other thing, too, I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. but
0: like I I, but that's the thing. Um, uh, Essentially, like I did the poem and it was received really well because a lot of the youth connected to those words. And so but after the fact, uh, because uh, like my workers, supervisors and uh, I think even. Uh, the CEO and COO at the time, this was only two years ago, so you guys could probably figure out who it was. Um, Like they made comments about me. They called me entitled and they've said some pretty like negative things saying that like, I'm... You know, stubborn and tired or whatever. And then when they said that, I actually, because like obviously my work at the what? Well, no, I can't say that. I can't say how I know, but just know that I know. And when they she told me that, because um, I was going to be using that speech for a staff meeting because the. Um, yeah, I, I was going to use that speech for a staff meeting. Essentially what I did was I included those comments in the speech and she was sitting in the audience and she was like essentially like the supervisors called me. And I like, I, I used it in a poem. I I should recite that poem on here. That would be really cool. But um, but I looked straight at her when I said that portion and I called her out in front of like a hundred other people. I didn't say her name directly, but um, she couldn't look me in the eye. She literally like looked down and I saw her from the audience, right? And so, yeah. Hilarious.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because like, yeah, I, I was asked to speak at a staff meeting one time and like what I did was I traumatized them by just like just telling them like I just made them close their eyes and visualize. A terrifying Everything. story. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, about what it's like to be apprehended in care, and like f- from the perspective of the child, and like get them just—I I made them like remember what it was like to be a kid before we got them, um, in, into the into the thing. <gasps> yeah. So like, uh, yeah. And in, in a weird way, I've always been that type of person where I'll just shake the pot a little bit. You're <laughs> uh, no,
0: doing more than just shaking it.
1: <laughs> but um. Yeah. Yeah. You're like opening its soul. Well, the the biggest thing is like, I just don't. I want people to be true to themselves no matter what. Um, And I've somehow managed to. I mean, I know I'm like changing as I grow up and stuff, but I've managed to try to stay true to myself as much as possible throughout my life. Um, and the sad reality is that a lot of people realize like it's some way down the line that they can just like fudge it a little bit and then just maybe get something half-assed. I'm yeah, I'm, yeah, that's it. Um, but when you do that you lose a little bit of yourself and when you do that more and more and more and more and more, you eventually forget mm-hmm. and uh for me it boiled down to I know what my values are and I've had certain ambitions and yeah everything that's really happened throughout my career and throughout my like my my life has really proved that like I'm taking at least the path that I know I'm supposed to be on, um, in terms of doing my advocacy in the way that I am and shaking the pot in the way that I've had and, and allowing people to have platforms to speak and share their ideas and stuff. Um, and it's why I love hearing stories like that. Like when, like when you, when you, when you talk, because, um, I always used to call it being like the, uh, the sacrificial lamb because uh, you always have to speak at like a foundation event or something like that. Yeah. And you have to like, you, you have to say what they want to say. And I would never, I, I only got invited to a handful from like, from Windsor CS, because I also love that agency. And they like, there wasn't a lot of bad things that happened to me. I know a lot of things that happened to other people. So I, w- I would always try to make sure that there, there was room for, for, for me to be able to address mm-hmm. that. But, um,
0: yeah, but like yeah. youth really get creative with it when yeah. it comes to sharing their stories here because yeah, we so far we've had youth uh, share their their experience and care. Um, and their passion for advocacy through like singing and creating songs for us or um in poems as you've as you've heard and it's, well it's this just,
1: podcast is my advocacy in some ways yeah. right
0: like, <laughs> it's really great like <laughs> yeah. how, how it, like how creative people get when it comes to sharing their stories. It's not only a way that they learn to cope with their situation, but it's a way that they really try to, communicate with others um, the feelings that they felt through their music and stuff. It's, It's just it's beautiful to see the diversity of passions and how it kind of intertwines to still receive the same message. Like I was saying before, we are all going towards one direction. We're going to be meeting each other in the center. And I guess the reason why we're getting so so much closer yeah so much closer why we are
1: it's multiple generations are working together now like wolfgang's wolfgang is um he he does his advocacy through making sure that the next wave of child uh, of of child welfare uh practitioners that go through his class get a better understanding and grasp of what it's like to live and care and see what it what the perspective is and look through that lens and like when i first met him and had that conversation i was like well, well like that's advocacy that like and when you realize like yeah he's been doing this podcast for over oh, jesus now it's been like it's, it's actually around like eight years now what? um yeah wow. <laughs> um but yeah like so this podcast has been like he's been doing this podcast the CCC podcast for a while and He's shared a lot of stories. He shared a lot of uh, of ideas, and, and it, it, it spawned from, uh, he'll, he'll he'll say it spawned from his from his um not wanting to do uh, journals for a te- for teaching, and just wanting to like just have like an easier way to just communicate like ideas to his students like on a weekly basis for the work that he's supposed to do regularly, yeah. but they really did evolve into a resource that not only he uses but I've taught lessons at like um McMaster yeah. and at Western University. Yeah, we're like, we've literally, like, we're like from us doing like advocacy. Um, work like for the Ontario Child Advocate Office the podcast also gets brought up and then that goes into the work regimen afterwards for like lit- then, then like you have students from across the country that are listening to the podcast on a regular basis for um for for a lecture or for a lesson and stuff so then they're getting a better perspective of what it's like to live in care and they're going through the system trying to become practitioners themselves so like then, it's just like
0: full circle yeah, and then, the and then it keeps on people happening reading, like, generation after generation it's just passing on that knowledge, yeah. passing on that passion and um, like the not only just the mindset, but the purpose of it all. Mm-hmm. Right. On to like the next generation of individuals.
1: Yeah. The, the one, the one awesome thing about this time that makes it all different is the fact that it's, it is coming together and it, it, it's because we have the ability to communicate with one another and really, so really rapidly. innovative and rapidly. Now. I feel
0: like so much people have gotten so much more productive this yeah. year. You know, since they're working from home, they, they don't have to worry about commute. People have saved so much money on insurance by not having to drive their cars. They're, like I've noticed that I've been a lot more efficient and productive um, working from home. And like, I don't know.
1: I have personally a, for me it's this. It's, it's, it's somewhat of the opposite for me only because I there was a this year this year yeah. this did not need to happen personally
0: <laughs> yeah we, like
1: me I had a lot of other side projects that I like doing um I guess it's still it's all communication space in terms of like me sharing just yeah. stories and art and whatnot but um yeah there are a lot of big plans with me and my friends had in toronto to do and everything fell through because yeah, yeah
0: but nobody predicted this no nobody one knew moved. that a pandemic yeah, well, I, no yeah, one, no
1: one knew a pandemic was gonna happen something new I, I feel like I feel like the funny everything thing everything was is staged that, no it's not that everything no I'm not no conspiracy theorist <laughs> no it's just like growing up like me and my friends and like even probably you and your friends are always just like when the when is it gonna when is it gonna change when is something gonna happen right like when are we gonna finally no be to, like, I never thought that no
0: like other than within my own life or well, like, within my Well, like, Yeah,
1: just like like when will rent be cheaper, right? Or like or like when no. when, when 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 can I buy a house, right? When yeah. when can I get a car? Like when all this other stuff. And I feel like people, like at least like me and my friends in my circle were like thinking about like like it's gonna crash one day, everything's yeah. gonna crash one day. And then when it finally happened, it's just like wow, okay, you manifested it. Yeah, it's it's a, a bunch <laughs> of people did apparently, right? Like I mean, shout out to. uh to uh, to Jones and that podcast about manifestation and spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um yeah, just cause I yeah, it, it, it's 2020 vision. See and yeah vision. And, and those Ooh. and those numbers. And those numbers. It's creepy Every, numbers, numerology, been, all of that, but, you know, when I started But for for at least a hundred years twenty twenty vision's been a thing. Really? It's been it's people been saying twenty twenty vision. Nah, I got twenty twenty vision. Twenty
0: twenty, twenty
1: twenty vision. That Na-na-na-na-na. was in twenty twenty. Like, no but no what what I'm no, like when these was 2020 songs, vision like no, made. like they're like I, I'm referencing like an old song, I don't even remember it, who it's by. It was
0: literally, it's That's by not Tyler year. the Cre- Oh my god, it was it came out this year. That did, out this year. Yes, did. that did not
1: come out this year. That did not come out this year. Oh, let me see. No say, way, no, it definitely didn't. It.
0: it did, it watch, definitely did. It it. did. Watch
1: Tyler Creator made a new album like last month. This is not in the podcast. This actually will be in the podcast because I will be right. This is Watch. an older song.
0: Tyler the Yep, so I'll see you again. Can I get a kiss? Can I be? That's what <laughs> uh, <laughs> happened. I forgot it. I didn't notice I was doing that. Let me see. I can't one 2020 2020 oh no i don't need the lyrics
1: <laughs> no just when did the song come out that's yes, that simple Why are you 2017 done? yeah so yeah so chris james coddle is though. right that's what i'm trying to say no. it's manifestation
0: um <laughs> yeah it was 2017 <laughs> who's it by again tyler's a creator oh, okay okay yeah yeah <sighs> i want to play that song right now <laughs> we <laughs> can we can listen to it no, during a okay.
1: break but um but, yeah, so it just it's 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 kind of ironic how over over yeah this past our, our, year our, well uh, was this past year really turned into 2020 vision and yeah. that everything's <laughs> everything everything so, just blown up everything's well like people like on bitcoin were like it's gonna hit 20k it's gonna hit 25,000 dollars and it, <laughs> and it did. did well it hit
0: 24 Yeah, <laughs> yeah right so like they're saying it's gonna hit 300,000 dollars by the end of this year uh, no, 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 no 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 I don't know about that
1: I mean there's only there's literally only like eight like like 10 days left maybe so like I don't know by the end of
0: this year oh true yeah there's but only 10 that, days left by by the end of 2021 is what some um investors have been predicting oh, okay well
1: not a financial <laughs> podcast
0: yeah <but> that's <laughs> true yeah no no no
1: but um but yeah like it's just it's 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 funny and it's entertaining and and to make and to, to add icing on the cake like yeah things like this podcast have finally manifested mm-hmm. and things like um youth empowering youth and um, Cheyenne Ratman's organ—I don't know the name, but like the but Ontario
0: like-
1: Child's Advocacy Coalition. The Ontario, the Ontario Child Advocacy Coalition. I remember being, yeah, I remember like getting a little like Facebook notification, like when it was like would had like five little followers and nothing, and it's like it's just little Cheyenne just trying to do her old stuff and like and like make a way, and then she like,
0: always does. Well, yeah. It's amazing.
1: Like, and it's like I remember when she when she hosted that little that little panel. Not it wasn't little at all. It was a protest in front of the city yeah <laughs> i was oh, there little panel yeah <laughs> so like i was there like recording This, like my boss told me he's like just go just go like you don't even like if you want to feel the like just do it and it was like well I have nothing better to do because yeah so we ended up going doing a little recording having a great time meeting young people in in this in the child welfare sector from that that were, had the ability to be in downtown Toronto that mm-hmm. day and like and protest against the government and protest and say that like these things are important and most of those individuals are now, doing work in the child welfare sector yeah and actually doing effective change so That's like good. it is really it's really interesting to see like humble beginnings oh, yeah. um and i've 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 liked to I've, I've always been a lurker like i don't really like being in the spotlight so being able to see from the background has always been like a really really nice thing
0: yeah I agree with that. And that's another thing I really loved about a lot of her little initiatives and not even just her initiatives, but things um, that really push people to um, have confidence in their voice. Like OVOV really pushed me to um, regaining that confidence in myself again. You know, um, basically before that, I, I was really brought down because I felt like I really couldn't do anything about, or do much about my uh, life, but it just really triggered this energy that, wow, I can and I will. And yeah, it's just all coming together. It's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, any more questions?
0: Oh, yeah. Quite frankly, like we uh, we've answered quite a bit. Um, But want to pause? You want? Yeah. Huh. All right. Like the actual thing. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, took a little bit of a break there. Um, I think we have been talking for quite some time. Uh, we did touch on a lot. Um, I know that, like, you were able to honestly just go into your story um, and your journey throughout like advocacy and talk on a bunch of things that you've learned just so fluently, it's just, I really wanted to allow you to flourish there because I learned a lot Um, and I'm just curious because we are going to be working with each other for quite some time. I really do look forward. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's been he's a pain traumatized. So far. <laughs> he's traumatized. Well it's this like,
1: whole season. You guys are gonna hear this whole season before you hear this. So Oh
0: yeah, so. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm not even done. Well at this point in time I will let people know now. I've not finished editing it the whole season yet. Yeah. So but it'll be done before, but I'm just giving you pre angst. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: But what do you hope to see for the second season for Project Outsiders? <laughs> for Project Outsiders.
1: So, for Project Outsiders.
0: <sighs> podcast
1: yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, no, for Project Outsiders, like, I feel like the organization is very much tied to its seasons and its podcast. Yeah. Um, but. Like, I've been waiting for something like this to come on to my plate for, like, a very long period of time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, me and, like, Wolfgang have been, like, me and Wolfgang and Salvatore have been just like, we need a young host. We need a young, vibrant <laughs> host. Oh. <laughs> right? And then, like, literally first conversation, I'm just, I literally talk to you again, and I'm like, Okay. That's Wolfgang. It, like, was so, it was yeah. really weird because <laughs>
0: you were looking for a host and yeah. I've already created something yeah. and started creating this way back in June and then we filmed our first podcast in August mm-hmm. and so it's really been a journey since August to December filming yeah. the season and it didn't have to take honestly I could have done the whole thing in like maybe a couple months but because I started to partner with you is why plans have changed and the podcast is being launched just at the time that it is now, and I am so glad we did it this way. I have no regrets. It worked out beautifully. It feels like every single
1: November since I joined the Wolfgang's organization, something always changes. So, yeah. So maybe next year something. One. Maybe some, next year something will be probably be bigger. Honestly, I always try to run away. I try to run away Don't. every year, and then like something. I always just bring something bigger on my plate, and then Wolfgang's yeah. like, Wolfgang's like, why is he doing so much more work? Right? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not getting paid like crazy amounts to do this either. It's just like, I'm just like, this is, this is my advocacy. And, um, like ever since like the first day that like I talked to, cause I got hired by Wolfgang the month before the advocate office closed. And I, I was, I was desperate like for employment. I was desperate for an opportunity to still do the same work that I wanted to do. Um, Uh, so yeah, all that came together and now we're here and what we've wanted for see we want we wanted prior to Shanice showing up was a young host to talk about child welfare experience and to have unadulterated conversations about what life was like from multiple perspectives and because Wolfgang didn't have the direct access that we wanted and Salvatore was it's really pretty spread out and i I'm, I like being behind the scenes and I like, like making sure that the work is done, but I'm not really the person who wants to be on the camera and stuff. So when you showed up and you presented your first season, I was like, this is it. This is what we've wanted forever. And then when you started telling us about your second season, it was literally like <laughs> things that, I was just like, this is obviously the next logical step. And like yeah. me and Salvatore were like salivating at the math of just like just like, geez, like this finally someone who wants to actually like tear, tear some stuff up and like actually have like a great time and like yeah. and actually like get a lot of stuff done. So we were like and the Wolfgang's sitting on the call and he's like, i yeah, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I don't, it's a lot of work, guys, but we'll get it done, I guess, right? Like, oh, I was gonna do this regardless, well, yeah, right? It was I just think, like <laughs> a lot of support has really, and I, 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 didn't know how beneficial this partnership was really gonna be, and um, like for 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 a lot of people in yeah. terms of how it's gone, but like. You've been working with Salvatore on like grant writing. Salvatore's been able to like find like to do like direct mentorship with you. Yeah, and like and like that, that's that's a beautiful much. thing. Um, you like we've been much able like to we-
0: put like a lot of people together, like Christina, who you've guys heard in the series. She's working as our social media manager now. She got hooked on it. Um, Troy Elliston, amazing conversation. He got so excited about the conversation that we had that he said, no, I have have to be a part of this his spoken word his poetry is just he's invested now and he wants to help out in any way he can and so it seems like everyone we end up touching starts to just get you know they get it they just get it and they just want to be a part of it Mm -hmm. right and because
1: yeah well it's it's the thing is it's
0: we're getting we're, we're, getting getting so we're getting we're getting somewhere we're getting so close yeah. because what we're really trying to do in the future if and it, what is so beautiful about this is all youth from care we all have lived expertise yes. better than anybody <laughs> It's crazy better than anybody and we're running this And so for season two what we're really trying to do and for the seasons beyond that is collect really um, thought out planned out statistical, data and logical data. And we're going to put together and we're going to formulate some kind of like plan, a letter or some kind of I think we're even, yeah, a methodology, a a methodology of what needs to happen, what needs to change, and bring those back to the agencies to provide those consultations, training programs, reforms, legislative or policy changes.
1: The thing is, we're working as these seasons progress and as we continue to evolve, like as as a society of young people from care, will we will be like when we present our when we present our our data, it's going to be like, well, this organization that's run by. I don't know, Sadiqa, is, like, is is already trying to go about, like, doing, like, training. Huh?
0: You're moving the microphone oh, sorry, a little
1: sorry, bit too sorry. much. Oh, shoot. What, I am? How? I, I was moving it around a lot?
0: Yeah, because when you move, your microphone jiggles. Oh, wait,
1: shoot. I, I've been pulling the cable? Oh.
0: It's okay, it's okay. Okay, okay. Well, that's... <laughs>
1: That's ridiculous. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Just try All not right. to shake. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That's gonna be a pain in the ass. No, it's okay. It's okay. I know. I'm. I hate myself. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Like let's say like an organization like like. Now one day Sadiqa wants to make is, is actually has the capacity and has been working to try like developing training regimens, Right. And it's literally just like this is a contract that you should hire. And it boils down to like these enterprises like that, like, like things like Jennifer Corriero, like 20 years ago, thought about making end up becoming the actual, like, um, like contractors and people who are working with the government, and so so what ends up happening, and the thing is, what we ultimately want, like at the end of the day, is to not hear this anymore. Yes, to not have these stories exactly we brought up. So what like Kingston like, said,
0: yeah. So it's just like almost like so we don't have to repeat ourselves. Like we we don't want to repeat ourselves anymore. We're so tired of talking. It's like it's like, like if we're the last this-
1: generation. to to train out all these bad practices, then it never happens again.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so it's kind of like we really want to be the centralized place, all things foster care, all the ideologies, all of the kind of assumptions and stigmas made about us. And we are trying to essentially abolish those or try to be more factual. And, And we want to share our stories because we repeat it so many times to everybody that walks into our lives, social workers, new social workers, staff members, other youth in care, to the ministry, to the board, to OACAS, yes to each other, to agencies. we repeat our stories so many times throughout our journey to be able to paint a picture to other people of who we are and what are the challenges that we face. as if it's a it's a surprise they really end up not being surprised by what they hear at the end of the conversation. It's just like, yeah, it's awful. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But like, God, I wish I could do something about it. There's like this guilt that everybody sits with when they hear these experiences because it's like, damn, something should be done about it because this is wrong. It's like,
1: it's like, it's like like in the back of their head. It's more like, it's like, it's like when, when I got those, those social workers to like think about that story, it's like, well, like, damn, like, I don't know. Like Brenda kind of did that to like that one kid yeah. that like we heard about like a couple of like months ago or yeah. something like that, right? And then like you think and you're just like you're like, wow. Well, it
0: humbles people. It brings yeah. them back to like the their realities and it forces people to check themselves. Like, have I done something like this in the past? And is this really how it affected them when I left? 'Cause they always get to go back home to their families and um, kind of try and, and the chat they close the chapter, right? But like yeah. the kids chap the kid is, is it's an it's ongoing, an ongoing nightmare. nightmare.
1: Yeah. So like it's nice to know that because people like i guess like hearing yeah, like, like the, people, these stories like hearing these topics and people and 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 like to the listeners of this podcast like that like have no lived experience like i really do appreciate you and yeah, i really do hope really that you do. take the time to to share these stories yeah. and 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 help break the barriers not only because i think that they're 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 i'll call it entertainment because i think that some of the conversations that you hear are thought provoking and make you think about new things and make you wanna like research about different topics or different ideologies and stuff. But um, that this, these topics and issues like indirectly affect your lives Mm -hmm. um, in terms of when a kid in care goes in and gets apprehended and ends up there's a, there's a new kid at school how many times is it that, it that it ends up being a foster kid yeah right and then that True. kid that kid has yeah. the ability in to affect like yeah. every kid's life in that environment mm-hmm. and i mean i've seen it I like literally like, I mean, my foster brothers were like considered like the, the jocks of the school and they were the most popular and influential individuals. And at home we were getting like, like like distraught like like experience like sometimes like the worst treatment that we could ever think of but then like to have that sort of influence over like people within your community and know that like your your opinion your voice and people actually want to hear what you say it's like that there are invisible like people with it around the world who have like these experiences yeah who who are able to command such spaces and stuff and so
0: yeah, we almost want to be the standard, like we're trying to make our way up there. Like right now, it's locally, it's just we're trying to touch Ontario. But it's essentially what we hope to do is be a representation for other youth in other provinces and then eventually other countries so they can find that confidence in themselves. It's just a stand, something just completely across the board.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, if if anyone ever gets an opportunity to listen to CYC podcast, I would definitely check out the episode that I think it came out back in September and it was the verbatim uh, forum that takes place in the UK. And um, that's a perfect example of a young people with artistic vision taking actual lived experience stories mm-hmm. and um, presenting them to the public in the most unfiltered fashion, yeah. and um, and it changes people's lives, mm-hmm. and 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 like and it's it's open to the public. It's open to the public, but it's all. But there also are private sessions in which, like, they're for uh, primarily for like social worker or private practitioners, and um, you're able to really understand what it's like to be in the shoes of a young person going like living like one random off day and their entire several however long period years or months or days of um of confusion Mm -hmm. right and of not really knowing what's going on Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of kids suffering from these crises and also still trying to grasp self-identity right and um like one of the things that I've always like been really appreciative of was growing up is like I, I feel like I always had a strong sense of identity and a lot of really positive role models like um to to really like reaffirm that and push me in the direction like I had a lot of um <clears throat> Um, child, uh, CYC workers growing up that like uh, would take care of me on a couple days of the week and uh, through that like it was through like pretty much like leadership building like reading building and stuff like that like it's the reason why I feel comfortable in my shoes now is because I've had a lot of people growing up and like wanting to support my ideas mm-hmm. and my way of thinking in my life so that's yeah, that's really what I what I aim to do and I hope that yeah, I hope that the new the next season really takes this idea of, of the child welfare sector and brings it to um, a level where everyday people are able to understand it and see how um, I don't know if it boils down to organizations that they've heard of within their communities or stories within Maybe we one day I don't know we might get like a student trustee to talk about what it's like to work mm-hmm. with the child welfare sector. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: and 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 uh, and and the school district we might get individuals who work uh, and prioritize uh, mental health facilities. Absolutely. And see how how it's like to work and with having young people who've had to live uh, uh, in medical facilities that are also in care. Yes. Right? And things yeah. like that. Um and. I've known a lot of individuals throughout my time and uh, working with young people uh, like myself, what, how like varying our experiences are. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that, yeah, like I hope that more people are able to hear these stories. So me too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, um, Any other I questions? Guess we, Oh yeah, I guess we're pretty much wrapping up here. Um, I do kind of have like two final questions for you, but I I think I'm going to really leave it here with one. Well, ask Um, them both. Well, one is because it would go into like a completely other topic. I don't want it. Um, Because like... uh, And there's a reason why I'm very curious about this topic still, and I've brought it up a lot throughout this series. Is this idea of aging out and um, completely removing that process? Um, I wanted to ask you because, as you may potentially know, um, they they might be giving the option to youth who have already aged out at 21 or um, anybody who's aged out, who's underneath the age of 29 to come back into care. And I find that really interesting when I thought and it made me think like, huh, would I go back to care if I had the opportunity? So I'm really ever since I found out about that news, I'm kind of like really intrigued and I'm I'm really starting to ask every like youth um, that I come across, like, would you go back to the foster care system if you were if you were given the option
1: yeah well I guess we we talked about this yesterday off the podcast but um I'll give you a better reason behind behind what my thought when I stick out my neck and I don't know what's going to slice it like that's when I end up like gaining like 10 levels in the game and like like in turn in the game of life right and like and just moving forward and just like learning more about like who i am as a person and how much more like i'm able to actually take and okay. tr- like on a regular basis and stuff um and like how resilient and strong and like and, and actually like crafty i am and like smart and resourceful i am and um i uh I've struggled a lot since I've turned 21 and, uh, and age out of care. And I mean, one of the big, the best benefits is actually just being like the green shield healthcare, just because like that, that's something that I don't have to worry about for a while. Yeah. And that's great. But, um, aside from that, when it comes to wanting to get breed ministry back in care, I have no desire to have CAS have any semblance of, um, need to peer into my life.
0: Yeah. yeah. Fair. Especially
1: because of the stuff that I'm doing in work, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't want them to be like, well, like, why are you like talking yeah. poorly about us? But, well, and it's like, not like oh. I'm, I, I don't really do anything poorly to like, yeah. like to like, to, to, to disparage anybody. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's a chapter in my life that um, I went through and, um, I've had a lot of experience, a lot of hardship, a lot of gain, a lot of a lot of cherished memories. And I've met a lot of great people because of it. Um, But Um, I don't think I need to necessarily go back. Yeah, Um,
0: that's fair.
1: Yeah. And I think that if I can keep my career growing in a positive direction, that I don't need to worry about the financial support that it comes with.
0: Very true. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Um, So then what is one thing that I guess you know now that you wish you knew while you were still in the foster care system
1: <laughs> like guess. looking
0: back that's and like, reflecting that's and the same
1: reaction every single every single guest gives every single person um, it's funny because like i i feel like i i i knew oh, i was i was given the opportunity to learn a lot growing up and i also that i asked a lot of questions growing up i was, yeah. I was annoying, but um if anything, the one thing honestly is just it's just finite financial literacy. Um yeah. I I didn't even really I didn't even really learn the value of money until like last
0: year. True. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Like, to be honest, same for well, this. For a lot year. of people
1: it's different, it's different things, right? Like, oh man, that mic just moved. But yeah, for a lot of people it's different things though. It's whether or not like it's like being able to cook or yeah. financial literacy or um parenting in some cases yes. for some people, right? Yes. Um yeah, I yeah, that's just the, the one thing is if I could just been a little smarter with my cash.
0: Yeah. I know I'd I think be we like all way, wish.
1: way, way, way further. Yeah. Um But honestly, I also don't regret anything that's really happened in my life. There's a lot of screwed up stuff that's happened too, but I I don't know. I feel like battle scars are cool. Maybe it's they just are. because, like, uh, I'm yeah. like, I'm like African, like, and I, and I and I, I, I mean, I to like, I, I really, really like African culture and just like, um, yeah, battle scars and warrior scars are cool. Right. And like, it just shows where you've come mm-hmm. from. It shows what, like, you have stories, right, yeah, that you can tell. It's
0: true. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Like, I'm not like, I yeah. think by this point, I might have done a photo shoot where I've done and showed and exposed my battle scars but those they do hurt though yeah the battle scars they hurt they hurt yeah I know And,
1: and you realize you realize how how if I don't know like the one the one thing because of how connected I am to like my childhood like traumas and stuff it's made me like very aware of what it's like to be a child and like and i mm-hmm. kind of try to spend at least like a, a couple of minutes a day not reveling in my like trauma but reveling in like childhood and mm-hmm. reveling in uh, like in that and that yeah. yeah just because the thing is like a that that allows me to tap into my creative energy which yeah. makes me come up with these crazy ideas to work with Shines, yes. um and waste I'm moving to Montreal this week and we're uh, editing the whole podcast. Gosh. And there's an episode coming out in five days with season the episode zero with Wolfgang yeah. and, and Shanice. And I haven't even touched that yet, so No, I like I like that it because it's episode zero this Friday and then it's one and then and then Infinity and beyond from there.
0: True. Right? So and it's, it's like, kinda cool. Dude, boo,
1: yeah. <laughs> of yeah, 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 yeah. And then blast off. So like it's um it's been a great yeah like like yeah turning in and, and tuning into that child childhood aspect makes me want to continue it makes me want to keep our moving forward because because yeah. I'm just like because I'm like I'm like it I was playing just with keep Legos, going. and I was like playing with cameras, and I was talking to people and telling people stories about random things and like yeah. about my life and other stuff like that. And it's like uh, all those like and it's been things, great. Like, yeah, like we
0: have kind of like reveled a little bit in childhood over this past weekend. Yeah, he um, like uh, I think we might have. I'm not sure. Like, I honestly might not include this inside the video or the, the podcast because, like, COVID and people are like, why aren't you guys social? T-? No, we played yeah. manhunt around in our building.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we were.
0: We, so uh... it was great. We're playing hide and seek around um, my building and um, with like a bunch of my other friends and playing cards and just really trying to live life while we can yeah. and absorb and enjoy every single minute of it. Well, and- it was just like, you each guys other. brought me
1: to a college campus and then literally gave me a college, like, experience again. And it's, yeah. it's funny because, like, I've never got the opportunity to live on campus, but I, I have, I, I when I was in school, I, um, I did live with some roommates and yeah, it's the same. It's yeah, like, yeah, you can you, you, you have it's like great friends. conversations. Literally, oh, like the TV man. show just, Friends it, yeah, where people are like just down the hall sometimes. Yeah. and we use
0: each other's apartments as like hiding spots. Oh and my <laughs>
1: gosh, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> It was hilarious. Yeah. It was
0: great. And it's just it, it feels like family. It just feels like togetherness. And yeah. like we could just step away from our stress. And literally we took well, a that's break. That's, a, what, th- we that's what we did. Yeah, we would work we took for a, like eight hours yeah, and we literally did just that.
1: mess around and just play games. And, it just like, and then like go back be, to yeah. work. Yeah. And like, and yeah, and you were, you were always like, oh, how are you working so efficiently? Da, 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 da. But it's like, because like the first thing, like we, I, one of the first things I said when I got here was like, work hard, play hard. Right. Like. But you're just you not work.
0: only efficient, but you're also fast. Cause,
1: uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, I've been doing, I've been doing editing in particular since I was 12. Yeah. So that's like something that I, I hold pride in and, and, and know that I still have a lot of room to improve on. Yeah. Pre Christmas, like yeah. Gathering, you know. But I feel like foster <laughs> I feel like foster kids always kinda of get together for Christmas together yeah. in some roundabout way. Yeah. So uh, I agree. Yeah, like us doing this has been really communal and honestly necessary because mm-hmm. I um yeah, like two years ago little Shanice was out here at my on one of my events just like wide-eyed just like all inspired and now it's like little Shanice is actually making an organization it's like I haven't even made my full like my my first business yet so I'm really really proud and I'm happy to be a part of the ship and I've wanted to be a part of this ship for for years in some way or another so um Mm -hmm. we're gonna take it to the top
0: we're going to and come with us guys you know, we want to stand together in the end. And um, I think it's the best way to be. I would have looked left to my And I, I actually did this earlier in the season where I'm like, I'm going to remember this moment. I want to capture this moment and look back one year, exactly one year from now. I'm going to right now it is December 21st it's almost, 11. Winter, yeah, it's almost it's, 11 11 it's almost
1: 11 11 it's, but it's also the winter solstice so it's just like it's just one of those big days no anyway. it's actually
0: almost 11 11 yeah
1: that's crazy
0: but you're not even as excited as I am.
1: Yeah, because like eleven eleven is some like kid wow. stuff.
0: No, it's not. Literally. This is actually, this, I'm telling this is, you, I'm keeping this in the podcast. I hate you. I hate you. Stop. Don't call me out. See? Honestly, I, I, I want to be my realist and authentic self. So keep this in. I want you to know me. I want people to identify with me.
1: There needs to be more diverse representation in the workplace. And you're... If, if you're a white kid, a black kid, an Asian kid, brown kid, no matter what country around the world you are, that counts as a diverse little experience to be a person, to, to be taken from your home and have to live in, in somebody else's home yeah. and have to navigate that. That makes you realize not necessarily, like, it makes you realize like how, how different the world really is, like from 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 place to place, and and how people really expect different things from you, and how a lot of like sometimes it might be arbitrary, sometimes it might be for the betterment of yourself, but a lot of it, if you if you if you have the capacity to be able to share a message or or, or take a space, like take it and do it, and you'll feel fulfilled, and most people will really want to 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 hear what you had to say.
0: Mm-hmm. I 100 percent agree. Like, um, I'm really nervous to know and see how all this pans out. But I hope people listen. I hope people care and spread the word. Thank you so much, Christopher, for spending this past few hours, not just past few hours, but months partnering with me. And um, I'm thank you for being there for me in the future, because I know you will just thank you for your existence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. And I'm Um, really happy to I'm really happy you're here and I'm really happy you're doing this stuff. And I'm really proud of
0: you. Thank you. I really appreciate that so much. Well, listeners, If you made it to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for listening. You are a trooper. You're amazing. If you made it to the end of this series, congratulations. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. And thank you for just caring.